Welcome to Activate Church Podcast and thanks for listening. We hope this message helps you and we pray that God speaks to you through this week's message. I'll tell you, 2017 didn't need to be perfect for it to be a great year. Didn't need to be perfect. In fact, I think that the best testimonies come from the darkest moments of people's lives. Whenever you need breakthrough, something needs to be broken. So you need something to be broken to get the great story. The best stories come from the greatest breakthroughs and the darkest moments of your life. But I've learned to be encouraged that when God is with you, you can get excited even in the darkest moments. Even when it's midnight, you can still get excited. Sometimes at midnight, it's dark on one side and it's dark on the other and you're caught in the middle and you don't know how things are going to work out or how your situation will begin to outwork itself. But when you've got God with you, I don't know about you, but sometimes I feel like God is just setting me up for a story or a testimony or a reason to praise. God wants to lead people through the darkest moments of their life. A couple years ago, I was at my mother and father-in-law's and uh, we were staying there overnight and our kids were sleeping in the bedroom next door to us. And in the middle of the night, one of my kids got out of bed and they came and they crept into our bedroom and he woke me up and he said, Dad? And I said, yeah. He said, Dad, there's something outside in the dark. I said, oh, okay. And he said, I don't want to sleep in that room anymore. I said, well, there's not enough room for the three of us in the bed. I said, all right, look, you jump in here and I'm going to go ahead and and jump in your bed. You know why? Because, you know, I'm I'm hero dad, okay? So I'm going to brave whatever that creepy noise was. So got out of uh, my bed and, and, and went and slept in the other room. And then I heard something that made my hair begin to curl and the, the, the hairs on my arms stand on end. Have you ever heard a possum in the middle of the night? Have you ever noticed that a possum and Satan talk the same language? Like a, they, they, I don't know what, I mean, I've, I've personally never had a, a direct conversation audibly with Satan, but I bet it sounds exactly like that. It's like, ah, ah. Ah, you know, and I'm like, what's going on, right? So he was afraid, but now I had to be a hero, right? So I can't creep back in and ask him to get out of the bed. So I'm just like praying to Jesus, like, Lord, save me from whatever is outside, you know? It's kind of freaking me out. But when, when, when you're stuck in, in, in the middle of the night and you're in a place that you don't want to be and you just want to get out of it, sometimes you're like, you, you just don't know what to do. And so I want to preach a message today about what to do when it's midnight. What to do when it's midnight. And this is really a word for anyone that wants to step into something fresh and to step into something new. And I don't know how 2017 was for you, but I'm believing that 2018 can be better than 2017. And it's my position and my confession that the best days are always ahead of us and never behind us. That's the position that I like to take. And so I want to read a story to you, but I don't want to read the whole thing. So let me give you a little bit of a lead in to this story, that I, this scripture that I want to read to you today. It's about two guys. Their names are Paul and Silas. Paul and Silas are walking through a city one day, and as they're walking through, there is a a young girl who uh, is demon-possessed, and she keeps prophesying over these guys and saying to them, these two worship the, the God Most High, and they proclaim the way to salvation, you know? 
And so you would think that uh, like someone just following you around the city, saying that about you as you walk through is a really good endorsement of your ministry, but I think it just got annoying. And, and so Paul and Silas, they're walking around and this demon-possessed girl just keeps prophesying. Now, everything that she's saying is right, but it's starting to become a problem for Paul. And he might have been irritated or maybe he had compassion on her, but ir- irrespective the result is still the same. And so he turns around and he just casts this demon out of her and instantly that gift of prophecy just left her. Well, that girl was actually owned, uh, she was a slave and owned by two people that were making a business out of her ability to prophesy. And so we pick up this story in Acts chapter 16. You guys will have it on the screen behind you. And verses 19 through the 24. It says, but when her owners saw that their hope of gain was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace before the rulers. And when they brought them to the magistrates, they said, these men are Jews. That has nothing to do with the problem. These men are Jews. And they're disturbing the whole city. Do you think they might have embellished that just a little bit? Oh, this is not our problem. This is everyone's problem, these guys. They advocate customs that are not lawful for us as Romans to accept or practice. And the crowd joined in attacking them, and the magistrates tore the garments off them and gave orders to beat them with rods. And when they had inflicted many blows upon them, they threw them in prison, ordering the jailer to keep them safely. Having received this order... He put them into the inner prison and fastened their feet in stocks. Sometimes things just don't work out. I remember in high school, I worked very, well, I worked kind of hard in, in, in year 12 to get something that's, that was known at the time as an enter score. And based on that score, it would allow you to get into the university of your choice. So I got my score and I applied for different university courses, but then none of the universities wrote back to me. And and I became a little confused that I had no correspondence, and so I decided to do a little bit of investigative work, and we discovered that there was a problem with my number or my registration, and not one university had received an application for any course that I had applied for, which is completely frustrating when all that year you were, you were sweating about that score that you get at the end, only to get into uni, and then only to discover that that's something that you can no longer do. Because the courses were full, and let's face it, the universities don't care, and they weren't going to add another seat to their already full courses. So in fact, here I was, and I had completely missed out, and I had no idea what I was going to do. Sometimes things just don't work out. And I have found it to be particularly annoying. When you have done everything right, You know, when you did everything right and things still don't work out, that's when it gets irritating for me. Maybe for you in your workplace, you just stood up for something that was right and you were the moral voice that stood up and everyone hated the fact that you did it. And even though that you're the person that did everything right, you have to deal with the consequences that come with that. And I'll tell you what, that's a really frustrating place to be. And every time I find myself in a situation where things aren't working out, but I've done everything right, 
Look, I just want to find someone to blame. I want someone to be responsible so, so that I can say, it's all your fault. And you know, when you can't find anyone to blame, it's really easy for people to turn their attention from everyone to the sky and begin to shake their fist and say, well, God, come on. You know, where were you in my situation? How come you let my university courses not write back to me? You know, where were you? And, and, and get mad and get frustrated and just vent at God because he's the only person that you can find accountable for your current and present circumstances. But you know, as I begin to read this story about Paul and Silas, I kind of see something interesting. They have every reason to be mad, but they had no trial. They had no hearing. But instantly, people began to execute judgment on them. Did you know that the magistrates of the day would have attendants that would come with them and they would carry around a bundle of sticks. The attendants would carry them. And they would carry those around as a symbol and sign of authority to remind people that the magistrates were able to render judgment on a situation and a circumstance. And when they found these guys, when the magistrates found them, with no trial, with no hearing, they instantly executed judgment. In fact, the magistrates personally tore their clothes off of them and they began to beat them with sticks. Man, that would make me so mad. It, it actually kind of reminds me a little bit of my childhood. I'll tell you why, because my mom never carried around a bundle of sticks, right? But she could take her shoe off anywhere. That's something you always have with you. With you. Now, I'll tell you something right now. There was no trial, there was no hear, hearing, but there was always instant judgment. Like I would feel it on the back of my leg. She would do it in a shopping center. We could be in public. She didn't even care about it. She'd just take off her shoe and there you go. And so maybe the reason I feel so passionate about this, you didn't know this will come back to bite you one day. Was, now, now, now what's public? Yeah. Security. Man, I, maybe this is the reason why I feel so passionate about this story with Paul and Silas, because I kind of feel like maybe I identify with them. But you know what? They, here these guys are, and they're so mad. They should be so mad. They were put into the inner prison. Yes, of course, very dangerous criminals that, 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 that preached the gospel. Like, they put into the inner prison. And I, I don't know what that was like, but I imagine they're you know, just like rats and things. And like, you know, rats. I, I don't know. I just imagine rats. But it would have been horrible, you know. And, and I, I think this, and their feet are in stocks and they're surrounded by rats. That's my imagination, but who cares? I'm preaching the message, so I'll do it the way that I want to do it. And, and I'm just wondering if you were in that situation and you were unfairly judged and you were treated like that, how would you handle it? Do you know the psalmist writes, I rise at midnight to praise you. But I bet he wasn't in prison when he wrote it. He says, I rise at midnight to praise you. See, it's different when you're in prison. The mentality that you have 
is completely different when you're in that situation and that circumstance. You know what I've learned? It's that you don't need to be physically in prison to feel imprisoned. You can be imprisoned in a dark place right from where you're at. In fact, you could be sitting in church right now. You look free. No one knows. You're imprisoned. It's midnight. and No one has any idea that that's where you are right now. And I look at this and I think, how would you handle it? And I want to read this story to you because they're going to tell us how they handle it. It says this in verse 25. About, what time was it? What time was it? About midnight. Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the prisoners were listening to them. And suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundation of the prison was shaken. And immediately the doors were opened and everyone's bonds were unfastened. Don't you love the kind of earthquake that opens prison doors and just unlocks your chains? They don't do that anymore, but anyway. When the jailer woke and saw that the prison doors were open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself because that would have been the punishment that he would have received for letting the prisoners go, supposing that the prisoners had escaped. But Paul cried out with a loud voice, Do not harm yourself, for we are all here. Your perspective determines your position. It's all about how you look at it. Have you ever noticed that there are some people that are just completely negative about circumstances? They're negative about everything. It forms their conversation. I'm convinced that some people, for some people, negativity is so deeply ingrained in them, it's their personality. Everything that they have to talk about is negative. They thought it was one of the spiritual gifts. Gifts of healing, working of miracles, and whinging. (laughs) They thought it was a spiritual gift. Some people I find are just absolutely gifted for it. They find a way to whinge about everything. They take a holiday, but they have to complain about how long the trip was. Mind you, they're flying on a plane overseas. You know what? If you flew on a plane overseas to go to a holiday, we don't care how long the trip was. We're just happy that you got there and arrived alive and came back safely and had a great time in the sun. Stop finding things to whinge about for no reason at all. They can go out for lunch, but they have to complain about the service. It seems to be the case that some people can be in the most okay circumstances and for whatever reason, they complain all the time. And if they had to sit down and have a genuine conversation without bitching or backstabbing or gossiping about someone, they would have nothing to say. They're just negative to the core of their being. And I see people like that. And yet, here's Paul and Silas in a situation that that by all means they should have been complaining about. Do you know what I find an absence of? Do you know what I don't read in here? There's no... Complaining? There's no whinging? There's no, God, where were you in shaking their fist at the sky kind of moment? Do you know what the text says? That they were found at midnight in their dark place with their feet fastened, praising God. And I thought... I must have missed something. I must have misread this story. 
So let me review. Let me go back and read it. No. Cast a demon out of a young girl. That's good. Uh, Judged unfairly for it. That's bad. And then beaten up severely. That's also bad. And then put into prison. No. Looked at their circumstances. They're all bad. And yet these guys must have had a different perspective on it because they clearly took the position of praise in a situation that would make your average person complain. They must have seen something different, maybe something that we didn't see. They're actually excited about it. I know you find that hard to imagine, but did you know that if you're a pastor in China, that being arrested, beaten up and put in prison, it's a sign that you're a legitimate preacher? In fact, if you were to say that you're a pastor of a church or a preacher and you're in China and you have not been arrested or beaten up for the confession of your faith, they just are a little bit wary about you because the ones that are legitimate have usually been put in prison a number of times. They found the way to take an ordinary situation and circumstance and reframe it as something positive. They take a different perspective. It positions them to be able to praise God in the middle of the most undesirable situations and circumstances. Chinese pastors are actually very excited about being put in prison because they're like, finally, I made it. (laughs) Isn't that interesting? To me, I find it fascinating and I want you to pay attention because Paul and Silas are about to teach us a lesson on how to praise at midnight because I think they learned something we need. The praise, it isn't a response from circumstances. It's for them. Let me say it again for everybody. Praising isn't a response or a reflection of your circumstances. It doesn't come from your circumstances. Praise is for them. In other words, praise is a position that you take. It's what you believe. I've learned that God is not moved by protest, but by praise. There's something about praising God that moves the heart of God. Let me ask you a question today. Who tricked you into thinking that the only time you praise was when everything was going well? That on your best days, you shout praise to God. But on the tougher days, no, that's, you know, you don't say anything. Praise is only reserved for when things are going well. Who tricked you into thinking that that's true? When I start to read the story about Paul and Silas, did you realize that they didn't even ask to be let out? They didn't say, God, we're in here and it's unfair and, and let us out. You know what? God knew. God knew we're the situation that they were in. I want to tell you something today. God always knows the situation that you're in. He always knows where you're at. Paul and Silas, didn't. it didn't occur to them that they needed to explain to God that they were in prison. They knew that God knew. You've got to know he knows. He always knows. Every season, every situation, every circumstance, wherever you find yourself, I want you to know that. Wherever you find yourself, even and especially at midnight, God is with you. He is omnipresent. 
And I'll tell you why you you need to know that, because I have heard people uh, say that when you praise and invite God to your situation, and I understand the context of that, you know, and I understand what people say, but I want you to see something differently. It doesn't invite God to the party. He's already there. He's omnipresent. To suggest that God is not where you are when you're in the middle and it's midnight is is to not understand the nature and and the bigness of God. He always knows where you are, but here's what praise is. It's the foundation for a future miracle. It's the foundation. It's the platform. It's the space from which you launch from because what you start to confess is the good things about God and you just believe that he knows where you're at and he's going to be able to do something about your future. It's a platform to launch from. And I know it might not really appear to make sense. But if you take this book and you start to read this thing, From cover to cover, you will notice that God continues to work through people who start to praise early. In fact, I'm going to tell you one story. There's a story about a man named Moses, and he goes to war with another king called Amalek. And when he goes to war with this king, they're fighting on the battlefield. And every time that Moses is there, and as he's watching the battle, he raises his hands... And as he raises his hands, Israel begins to prevail over their enemies. But this gets tiring. And so he starts to put his arms down. And then they would begin to be prevailed against. Hands up, Israel begin to prevail again. There's something about this that makes a declaration. I think that this is, this is surrender. This is God. You're big enough. This is praise. This isn't weird. You see people do this all the time. You go to any football match and people are going to be there praising and shouting and cheering. You go to any party tonight, people are going to be praising and shouting and cheering. Maybe not always for God, you know, tonight, let's be honest, right? But my point is, is this is not an unusual thing to do. And so here's Moses and his hands begin to get tired. So he puts them down and then he, he needs a little bit of help. So you know what he gets into? A small group. That's why you all need to be in a small group, Okay. You all need to be in a small group next year. Join a small group and get around people that are going to hold you up when you begin to get tired. People that will pray for you and step into the gap. So his hands are tired. And two guys, one named Aaron and another man named her. How unfortunate that a man would be named her. But anyway, that's his problem. But, but these, this, this small group, this small group, <laughs> they get around Moses, and they hold up his hands. And so he stands there, hands raised, praise position, until eventually they just overcome their enemies. That's not an isolated incident. In fact, I could tell you about Joshua. I could talk to you about Gideon. I could speak to you about David. I could preach about the disciples. 
I could tell you all of these people continue to have stories and testimonies of people that praised early and that God came in and did what was impossible in their lives because they decided that they were going to take a position called praise. And sometimes it's counterintuitive. Sometimes when it's the middle of the night, it's midnight, darkness all around you. The thing you feel least like doing is praising. But I just feel like at midnight, maybe what we need to do is start to make some noise. Start to get your praise on. Start to sing. Start to shout. Start to dance. Start to make a declaration of what God is able to do in the middle of your night. Don't do it later. Hey, anyone can praise after the fact. God's looking for people that are praising early. know if anybody does this if you don't have kids you probably haven't done this but when I pray with my kids before I put them to bed at night I pray very obvious prayers very obvious prayers they go something like this dear God Lord help my boys to listen to their parents and do everything that they say and then I go into an ordered list God Help them to not run across the road. Help them to uh, uh, eat all of their dinner. Lord, help them to... I just start listing everything that I think that they need to hear. You know why? They're a captive audience. They can't go anywhere. It's bedtime. It's nighttime. They're going to have to listen to everything I say. I want them to hear what I think is important and what they need to do. They have to listen. You know that this is what Paul and Silas did too, right? Because they're in stocks. So is everyone else. And so they start to praise and they start to sing hymns and they begin to worship God and everyone has to listen to it because they can't go anywhere. And I love that the praise precedes the earthquake, but then the earthquake happens and the chain doors come off and the stocks are broken and they had an opportunity to escape but I love that they listen to the voice of the spirit of God and say there's one more miracle here that we can get out of this and so the jailer comes down and says hey we're, I'm going to kill myself no, no one's here and this is the end of me and they said don't do, do that there's another miracle here because us getting free was not about us getting free I think it's about you getting free and so the jailers the jailer he comes down and he says what are you guys shouting and singing about and they get an opportunity based on their praise to share the gospel with a guy that really needs to hear it they they tell him about jesus they tell him that that jesus was one who came and would give anyone a fresh start that needs it that they could be forgiven of all of their sins and they they give him the gospel message and he hears it and he starts to maybe get a little bit of an understanding about how they're able to praise in the middle of the worst circumstances he says, now I get it. Because you're arrested here on earth, but your eternity is secure. Now I get it. Now I get it. You had a past that you wish was far from you, and you've done lots of things that you wish you never did, but God has forgiven you for all of that. Now, now I get it. Now I get it. Now I get it. I get, Paul and Silas, how you can be in prison and your situation isn't 
ideal. In fact, it's far from perfect, but I get how you still find something to praise God about it. Now I get it. And he gets it so much that he invites these guys to speak to his family and his whole family get saved that night and they give their lives to Jesus and get baptized. And where did it start? It started with a perspective on a situation. It began with the position that they took on their circumstances. It was afforded to them because in the middle of midnight, they said, we're going to praise no matter what. We got a reason to shout. We got a reason to sing. And here's the thing. When you begin to sing and, and shout and and dance and praise and it's midnight now people see it especially if they know what's going on in your life they get to see it and let them be confused but don't wait for them to start your praise let them be confused they don't understand why you're singing and shouting and dancing they can't get it but don't wait for them to find the good things. You, you, you start to praise. That's something that you do. That's something that you bring. I'll tell you right now. I have personally led some of the best worship experiences you've never heard. Never heard. And I had to do it. Because no one was there to lead me. So I made the decision. Full disclaimer. I'm not a song two kind of guy. I'm not waiting for song two to get my praise on. I'm not coming to church late every week. I want to be here when they start because I want to be positioned to praise. I want to be here early. I'm not waiting for anyone else. Don't wait for anyone else to begin to lead you in praise. You come with your heart ready, conditioned to begin to make your position known. Does that make sense to you? You always have a reason to praise God. We're all saved by grace. It's amazing. Amazing grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. Come on. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. When you stand to your feet, no music, no nothing, your voice sing. Amazing grace. Come on. Come on, make it a confession. Sing it out. Raise your hands. Come on, let's sing. Towards grace that's all my heart to fear and grace my fears really 
Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. You hear that? That's just the sound of your voice in the face of your circumstance. And God loves it. He loves it when you don't need to wait for someone else to lead you in a position of praise. And so however 2017 has been for you, maybe it was a great year and maybe you had lots to celebrate. And maybe it wasn't, but whatever it is, as people begin to sing and shout and get excited about a clock ticking over from one year to the next, why don't you make your midnight tonight a night of praise? When you begin to shout and you begin to sing and start to get excited about the good things that God is able to do in your life, I believe that where God is leading you is into a good place. Thank you, Jesus, for everything that you've done in our church this year. I thank you, God, for everything that you're going to do. We praise you in your mighty name. Amen. Come on, why don't we, why don't we begin to sing? Let's sing together. We trust you enjoyed this week's message. For any more information about Activate Church, check out our website, www.activatechurch.com or download our app online and have a great week.